Hello, and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels, and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Jordan Rothline, and I'm the tech editor at Resident Advisor. For the past decade, Stuart Lee has made a name for himself in dance music as Basic Soul Unit. His tunes, brittle yet wonderfully thumping, have found fans across club genres, landing on labels as diverse as Dolly, Nonplus, and Mathematics, plus his own labor music imprint. It's made him something of an international concern, despite hailing from a city, Toronto, that's not especially renowned for its electronic music scene. When Stuart came by our Berlin office earlier this month, he explained why he's not expecting to relocate closer to the European market anytime soon, and how he balances fatherhood with his life as a musical obsessive. I was reading kind of a little bit about your history, and one story really stuck out, something I didn't know and thought was really interesting, really cool, and that's this Jamaican connection with your music. (laughs) Why don't you tell that story? Uh, Well, basically, um, my grandmother emigrated to Jamaica when my dad and his brothers were still very young. And uh, my dad was the only one that stayed behind in Hong Kong, hence I was born and raised in Hong Kong. But uh, all his brothers like pretty much grew up in Jamaica, so you know they were used to going to parties like back in the day, and, uh, sound systems and all that. And uh, so when I did finally immigrate to Canada, um, you know we got together quite often with them, and sometimes even in the house there would be like dance parties with my uncles and aunts. And uh, from that angle, like you know, they, I was always exposed. Um, this is like probably late mid to late '80s. Uh, to a lot of reggae, I mean like commercial reggae, but it's still good stuff and um, a lot of like soul and R&B from the 80s, you know, like Luther Vandross, People Bryson kind of stuff and so yeah, that kind of like I think influenced me a lot because a kid coming from Hong Kong um, it was really like minimal, not much of a scene there and um, especially if you're like a native Hong Konger you're more likely to be just like listening to HK pop or whatever and so yeah that really sort of influenced my sort of like slant into soul music which you know like kind of developed as i was getting into club music as well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i I can imagine that that's not necessarily a background that kind of a lot of people who otherwise hit a lot of the hit a lot of the points that that your background does yeah have yeah yeah i think i was really like lucky to be where I was growing up at the time that I was. Um, I mean, I was, you know, like too young to go to. We had a club called the Twilight Zone, which was basically kind of like the quote, paradise garage of Toronto. But um, even around that time, I was exposed to a lot of house music, hip hop music as it was coming out, like back in those days and uh, fresh, like it was just like something totally new and, you know, different. Um, So yeah, definitely. I feel like I was kind of like coming up at the right time. Do you remember when you first made contact with like dance music proper with house music? Um, 
I would, I mean, proper, I would, I would have to say, like, I went to a lot of, I mean, even in high school, there was a lot of all ages parties. I remember going to like RPM, Zoo Bar and stuff like that. And there was house music, but like to say I went to a proper party, it would have probably be like an after hours kind of warehouse or loft party. Not, not really. It wasn't rave yet. It was like early nineties, 92, 93. And, um, that's where I think I heard like proper kind of like house music, you know, a lot of Strictly Rhythm, a lot of Nervous, a lot of Chicago, Detroit stuff all mixed together. Um, and that actually relates to the geography of Toronto, sort of not kind of being in the center in between Detroit, Chicago and New York. And we also had UK influences, too. And uh, so, yeah, I remember going to like these after hours parties. I can't really exactly remember which one was first. Um, there was a bunch of venues, 23 Hop, Victoria Street. Um, yeah, just a bunch of stuff. And um, it was the first place I went to. Um, and this is me as a suburban high school kid, Chinese, uh, where, you know, like I was exposed to. I mean, I'd, I'd already know, known about the music, but kind of exposed to like a black crowd, gay crowd, mixed crowd. And everybody was really like into the music. They knew the lyrics, sing along, break down. Everybody was like going nuts. So I would say like those days were kind of like the proper first exposure. Yeah. You describe Toronto as being this kind of this nexus. You know, there were all of these different styles yeah, yeah. Um, geog geographically. Right. It was close or, or at least at a, at a midpoint between right. a lot of different places. Yeah. I wonder if that's almost a, a better way of encountering dance music. There's There's less... Uh, there's less baggage right right yeah I, I think it, it was a it's it's a plus and a minus I mean if you talk to a lot of Toronto people they they would even admit that we don't there's not really a distinctive Toronto sound at least consciously um, because we had influences from all over because it was it was a big enough city um, to have a lot of different parts of the scene um, I, I guess in the in the early 90s it was still kind of very together because it, at that point, it was still all house music. I mean, unless you were into hip hop or reggae or something else. But even at those parties, some parties you would hear like hip hop, reggae, soca, house. Um, and then later on, it was still kind of like if you went to a house party, it was still a mix of like, like I said, Chicago, New York, Detroit and, you know, even UK stuff. Um, so in a way, it's it's like we never really had our own sound, but we took in all these sounds and kind of maybe like regurgitated them. You know what I mean? And, and in a way, like a lot of, that's why I think Toronto's always been known as a, a place for heads because everybody's just into so many different music. Were there, were there any DJs who you really looked up to people whose musical taste kind of informed your own? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, the, the main store, well, the first store was, um, star sound, on Young Street. Uh, there was another couple stores, called, one was Carnival, one is Playdy Record. Playdy Record is probably the only one that's still there, that's still selling. Well, the others are gone for sure, but the, the only record store that kind of still sells dance music, I guess. And I met a few people there, um, in particular, uh, Aki, who runs Cosmos Records now, which is kind of like a collector's vintage shop. Um, and actually worked at Cosmos for quite a few years. But back then he was kind of like one of him and Mark, another guy, was always Mark and Aki. That was one of the groups of uh, warehouse DJs. And then another would be Peter, uh, PTS, which is Peter Tyrone and Shams. Um, and uh, Tyrone still does a lot of productions under 83 West, which is more kind of like, I guess, like the Jersey sound. But um, yeah, it was always those two groups and those two always informed me a lot. 
And then later on, it, there was uh, Jason Palma and uh, Dave Campbell, who, who kind of like took over sort of like around the same time. And uh, I still play with Jason Palma. He's a big influence on me as far as like, I, I would say Aki and Jason are the two biggest influence influences on me. Um, they were both house DJs at that point, but they're also very musically diverse. So, I mean, like we've kind of gone through the whole plethora of like different music we all just love it you know like whether whether it's house techno uh rare groove soul latin jazz afrobeat whatever it's uh they they really kind of set set my direction as djs and for musical taste a lot of guys uh when they start putting out records uh on the sorts of labels that you've put out records on at the rate that you've put out records um and a lot of guys might (coughs) decide they want to move to Berlin or, yeah. or London, a larger market. Right. But you've stayed in Toronto, and I get yeah. the sense that you're still, in a way, kind of a local DJ there. Yeah. Um, it's uh, well, I mean, it's partially a necessity because I'm a family man, and we have a house and a mortgage and all that. So picking up and going is a little bit hard because, I mean, at this stage, I'm still not really making a full living from DJing or music. Um, and since I'm not the one with the stable income, it's it's really hard to kind of take off and just go. But uh, yeah, I, the other point is I love the city and I love living there. So it, it's, you know, like it, it would, I would be kind of sad to leave. Although if I was 20 something, I, I probably would just to go for it and try to, you know, make a bigger shot at it. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a great city. It's very multicultural. Um, and the, like, there's a lot of things going on musically. And um, I, I, the funny thing as far as gigs is concerned is that I, I, I have done a monthly with, with Jason Palma, as I mentioned, and another friend, General Eclectic. Uh, that's more like the jazz sort of thing, and it's our 11th year. So I've been known more in the city for that. And only recently, because of my productions and such, I think I've kind of reached to the younger crowd. I mean, partially because I don't get out so much anymore because of my age. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like now I've been playing out a bit more and kind of getting con- reacquainted with the community. You mentioned the jazz is kind of something that that you know for a long time you were you were almost known better for yeah what was your introduction to to jazz did it come at a similar time to when you were introduced to to soul and reggae and all of that no i mean the soul and reggae kind of came first because i was a kid like i said hang out with my aunts and uncles they weren't necessarily into jazz they were into like kind of more like boogie like kind of groovy kind of music and um, the jazz kind of came later. I mean, I was into house, I was into hip hop, I was into house and what and whatnot. And there was a point in time, kind of like mid '90s, like post that sort of loft warehouse scene, just about before rave started. Um, and I wasn't really into raves, and I wasn't really into the house that was coming out at the time because it was just kind of getting a little harder. And I was always more like kind of skewed towards the soulful side of things. Um, there was like a lot of quote like progressive house, tribal house, and industrial house and stuff like that. And yeah, I remember reading that 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 the rave thing kind of didn't click with you. Yeah, yeah, and I mean in hindsight, um, it, it's still not really my vibe if I think back to who I was at that time. But I mean, sure, there's a lot of music that I missed at that point that I would have, if I dug deeper, I probably would have dug. But um, yeah, and then at that point, I was kind of digging more into the, well, like it was a progression, you know, like disco samples that house used and then kind of like blew my mind because it was like all this great, like music, soulful, arranged music, organic. And um, from there, you know, I got into like rare groove, soul, jazz, funk and all that. And so it was kind of like a progression, I suppose. 
DJing uh, with jazz, yeah. probably a, a much different thing. Yeah. DJing house records, DJing yeah. techno records. Yeah. Is, uh, is that kind of an art all its own? It is. Um, and basically, I mean, you could, it, it's, it's uh, you know, you, there's so much of a range of music you can play with that. And approach, approaches can be so different. With, you know, you can tackle it from a turntablist point of view, of course. Mm-hmm. And you can, but more or less, it's like about music selection and, and music programming and progression throughout the night. I mean, when we, back in those days, um, you know, like we were kind of like looking to Europe. It was like Giles Peterson, Patrick Forge and those kind of guys. And they were doing the jazz thing in the UK. Um Norman Jay and so forth. And so uh, Jazzanova and uh, Jason, who I aforementioned, and, uh, and, and Aki, actually. Jason, Aki, and a few other guys um, put together a party called Movement and invited a lot of those guys over. And so we, we kind of took a lot of cues from that. Um, it, was, it was more about creating a vibe with the music and the, the programming. Yeah. In terms of how you started producing, you made your first tracks i believe using free software that yeah. you got from a music magazine <laughs> yeah tell me about that um well i've never been and i'm still not really a gearhead i've not never been really good at the technical stuff i mean i definitely don't use a ghostwriter <laughs> um but uh so i mean like and i've always been more of a dj i've been buying those records since the late late 80s so um i never really even though you know, I'm a graphic designer, creative person. I've always been kind of interested in it. I never really spent money on gear or synths or whatever. And um, so, yeah, it was really um, only because of the develop- development of uh, software and digital production that I was really kind of able to kind of noodle around with it, I guess. And um, I got this. I don't remember what the program was called. It was like f- uh, from Computer Mag- uh, Music Magazine or something or other. And... Um, Basically, it was a free program. I put together the track. Um, it was called Basic Soul. And at that point, a friend of mine in Toronto, uh, John Kumahara, was starting this label called Iwanai. And I was like, ah, cool. There's some stuff that I did. Check it out. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's just put it out and see what happens. And that was the start of it. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I, I mean, like, I know a little bit more than I used to, of course, but uh, I've just never really been the technical kind of guy. Did, did you have much of a musical background uh, in terms of playing music? No, not not at all. <laughs> I, I think my, my parents made me take piano for about a year. I didn't even like get past the first exam, and that was the end of that. And uh, everything is really by ear and kind of clicking buttons and noodling around and kind of figuring it out on my own. Yeah. Well, and if you were working as a graphic designer, yeah. um, then I wonder if like familiarity with something like Photoshop right. almost made making music on a computer seem more natural. Yeah, I think that had a large part to do with it because I'm a visual person. So I, I didn't really have any troubles with using software, like, you know, using the matrix and just kind of plotting little notes here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm still fine working that way. I try to incorporate some gear now and then. But um, yeah, so I, I think definitely that, that has something to do with the approach. You can sense in your music, like, um, and it's sort of in the name itself. It's kind right. of implied right. this kind of wanting to get back to basics yeah. in a way, but yeah. but it's not really minimalism. I right. mean, how how do you describe the sort of music you make as basic soul unit? Um, yeah, it's just uh, basic in the sense that it's it's like it's it's what's necessary is there. It's not minimal as far as like a sound palette, you know, 
uh, it could be full like you know lush synths or whatever but i try not to like use i don't really like use too many effects and stuff like that to to kind of like garnish it and um it's really just about the arrangement about the music itself about the groove or about the melody and so that that was kind of the basis of it did you feel like at a certain point you kind of started to to hit a stride kind of with your sound yeah i mean i think i mean it kind of goes in cycles because every time i think i have something that's my sound you then the next time you make something it's like nah this is just a copy of it i don't want to do that right and you want to kind of evolve but i would say like um maybe the first time that i kind of had an inkling of the way i wanted to go is probably when i did the mathematics release on jamal's label and uh he he i mean i sent him the tracks and he he was the one that actually really pushed me to take it further go further out um play with the sounds just you know like go into outer spaces go for it and so that really kind of helped me go through the process of like just figuring out you know what what's going beyond just the template of like being inspired by Chicago or Detroit or whatever. Yeah. So you sent stuff to Jamal Moss. Um, how, how did you first make contact with this guy? How did you hear about him? Cause uh, at the time he was pretty underground. Yeah. I can't remember to be honest. I think I'm pretty sure I had a few records. I, I don't remember where I bought it from or how, but I was like uh, some of the early sun God stuff and some of his hieroglyphic stuff. And I think I just got in touch like through MySpace when it was still the thing and uh, just said, yo, you know, like I really love your music. And then I think he had listened to my stuff and said, cool, like I like your stuff. Send me what, you know, send me some tracks and stuff. And so it, it basically just started that way yeah, from what I can recall. <laughs> your sound has been very kind of malleable. Yeah. I mean, when you think about some of the different labels that right. you've put stuff out on, yeah. um, it's kind of been all over the place it, right. it's sort of bass music yeah on one end it's kind of very housey right on the other end um I, I mean do you put yourself into a particular camp or are you just making tunes um i'm just making tunes like I, and I, th I think it's you know like obvious from what i said before as far as my influences being into house techno broken beat jazz this that even drum and bass sometimes i'm not really an expert in anything if anything i probably know more about house than anything else but i'm I'd listen to like a bit of everything. So it, it all kind of filters through. And um, and that's that was a conscious decision when I was making music, even though I think the earlier stuff was definitely an obvious, obvious reference to Chicago and Detroit, um, that I think it was just natural that I was going to do other stuff. Like it, I definitely wanted to. I didn't want to be pigeonholed. And I think that like as long as it kind of somehow subconsciously ties together, I'm sure there's, you know, like some something that's me in every one of the tracks, hopefully. <laughs> Is that ever tough when you come over here to DJ? Um, you know, you get booked for yeah. a gig and yeah. people know the Nonplus record. Right. Get booked for another one. People know the Dolly record. Yeah. yeah. And it's different people buying both records. Right, right. Um, for sure. I mean, like there's there's been times when... I'm playing techno and people are like, oh, you should play more soulful or I'm playing soulful and they're like, oh, play harder. You know, like, <laughs> but um, for the most part, it's it's worked out for the better because uh, I think people kind of tend to know what I'm about now. And, you know, like in, in my sets, I try to play a variety of stuff for the most part. I mean, if it's a techno party, then it's going to have that slant or if it's house, it's going to have that slant. But I still try to incorporate different elements in my set. So, mm hmm. I guess occasionally, you know, your stuff will sort of be put 
if not in this sort of bass bin, yeah. then sort of in this more far out right. techno side of things, yeah. like like with the stuff you've released on non on nonplus. Yeah. Um, wh- what do you sort of make of that whole scene? Because this is something that's probably very different than what you've come up with. Um, in a way, but I mean, as far as the UK goes, there's definitely a lineage um, of bottom heavy sounds of like forward thinking beats, and so um, I, I kind of. You know, like, I can't say that I'm an expert again, but I kind of understand that because I was into the earlier stuff, too. And so to me, like, of course, if you think about, say, like, drum and bass and even some of the earlier uh, dubstep and stuff, like, it's actually if if you listen and you know house, then it's surprising how many house diva vocals they sample. Right. So there's a lineage. I mean, like from when house developed into like techno to hardcore to breaks or whatever there was kind of like a progression that might not be obvious to people that are into particular segments of the scene and so for me it 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 was natural like it didn't feel like it was weird or out there um but i don't know it's it's from my perspective i guess so it's hard to say sure you put out an album last year well i guess the the vinyl came out this year right early so it sort of spanned (laughs) both years yeah Tell me about the process of writing a Basic Soul Unit album. Yeah, um, it actually started probably like five or six years ago. And Jerome from Still approached me, said he liked myself, wanted to do something. And eventually we talked on the phone. He's like, yeah, I'd like to do an album. And um, at that point, I was like, cool. I just, you know, I was young, younger, not young. And I was like, uh, it's a cool opportunity. I like the label and what he was doing. And so we were like, okay, let's do it. And then... Um, I did some tracks and he liked them, but then I, th- I think what happened was he had some distributor issues, some distribution issues. So it was kind of on the back burner until last year. And um, in the meantime, I, I kind of like scrapped the earlier tracks, kept maybe Clouds and Breathe. I think those were the only tracks from earlier and um, started anew, which I thought was actually better in the end because I had more time to sort of mature and develop and think about the direction I wanted to do the album and with the album um as far as my thoughts is like i wanted to make a dance music album i mean it was going to be soulful and deep probably but it wasn't going to be i wasn't doing you know like a lot of beatless interludes and little skits and just because it was an album that you know I'm yeah a that's kind of artist this is me right right yeah that, it's almost <laughs> like a like a cliche of yeah. the dance music album there's going to be yeah. some slow stuff some right. beatless stuff right. you just wanted to do four four yeah and 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 again like i think it I had a different enough palette that I was able to do, you know, hopefully within the same spectrum, different types of tracks. And also the track listing was essential to me because as a dance music album and not really, um, I wanted to make it listenable, of course. So it was more like a progression, like I wanted it to have a flow. And, and I think that's uh, hopefully ties the tracks together. Figuring out that flow, was that something that came at the very end of the process or were you thinking about that as you were producing? Um, it was kind of like in the back of my mind, but because I was make, working on different types of tracks, I knew I wanted to do some soulful, some more banging and this and that. But the order really uh, came at the end when I had the tracks and then I was trying to figure out you know, how the flow would go. Almost like picking a mix and picking out, you know, like ordering, programming the mix, I guess. Yeah. Was there was there any sense in, in this process that maybe this was like somehow more of a rewarding experience than just writing an EP or just producing individual tracks. I mean, do you, are you keen to do this again? Um, not in an Im- immediate rush. Uh, I feel like if, if 
if the time comes where I feel like I have something uh, concrete to say that can fit into a package of that size, then yes. And it's it's definitely a total piece. I think you can ask any DJ producer that's put out an album. It's 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 a totally different thing than putting out a twelve inch because a twelve inch you're just kind of like putting together two or three tracks of like dance music. I mean, it could be abstract, could be bangers, but there's it's a shorter period where you can have like a couple ideas and you just throw it out there whereas i think with an album you really with you know like at least eight tracks or more you're kind of trying to think of an overall arc or concept and that that's a totally different thing yeah Mm -hmm. so you mentioned this before um you're a family man yeah you feel like you're a little older than a lot of other guys very much in this game (laughs) How, how old are you? Um, uh, if if you want to say, uh, no, I'm cool. It's uh, I'm 39. I'm gonna be 40 next year. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, how is that? I mean, when you see, when you come over to Europe yeah. and you're playing this, you know, uh, a rave or you're playing right. Panorama Bar or something yeah. like this, yeah. you know, do you do you sort of feel like you're too old for it? Do you feel like it's it's? You, I mean, what is your perspective on this on this? Um, some, being, being older than, than a number of guys who are yeah. doing this now. Yeah, some, sometimes, but not really, because um, I think one thing is, like, musically, um, whether you're young or old, if you kind of have the same wavelength, you kind of communicate anyway. So I think it's, it's great for younger people to converse with the older experienced people and vice versa, you know, like, keeps the older people fresh, too. And, um, and the other thing is, like, with electronic music and club music now, it's like, it's kind of like rock, you know, like our parents grew up on it. Well, my dad didn't, but <laughs> our parents grew up on it and they're still into it. And it's what we grew up on. So, you know, like, there are ex-ravers and ex-house people and club people that still kind of, like, get it and know what the groove is. And they might be into a more mature thing now. Um, and maybe some people have written it off, but a lot of people still, you know, listen to electronic music so I don't, I don't think it's such a big gap as it used to be having a family having a mortgage and all of that yeah. i mean does that make it tough to you know take three weeks and yeah. come to europe to play a bunch of shows yeah and i mean at first like i wasn't too bothered by it but i mean of course as a family man and as you watch your child grow and you become attached to them the more i go the quicker i miss them so yeah it's 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 definitely harder and but at the same time, it's, you know, like, I I can't complain. I get to travel. I do what I love. And when I'm there, I still love it. And I don't even mind the traveling hassle part of it for the most part. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a tough balance. But um, I, I think, you know, I'd rather have my daughter see me doing something that I really love and be an influence in that way, too. I mean, I'm not going to... I it's, it's at a point where I know that, you know, and she's starting full-time school, uh, like in kindergarten. So in a few years, it's going to be harder for me to leave a lot. It, it's at a point where, like, I know I can't be the guy that's going to be on the road 24-7, like, you know, like 52 weeks a year. But um, I, I definitely don't mind getting out there and for her to see that I'm doing something that I love, for sure. Is she a music fan herself? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because... Uh, she has a specific way of calling my music, especially the stuff with the acid, and she calls it boom, boom, meow, meow. <laughs> of course, like the cat sound kind of sounds like acid, but I think kids, you know, they're very like in, in sort of like intuitive. They hear music on that level and they, they feel the rhythm and the groove, right? I mean, she's into like kid stuff too, of course, yeah, of and course. some pop stuff, but 
uh yeah she sometimes she tells me to turn it on just because she likes to hear it <laughs> so do you do you think about you know in 10 years yeah. 15 years something like that and she's starting to go out to these parties yeah. i mean i've heard other um other djs sort right. of express that having kids you know and then they go out to a party it right. freaks them out a little bit yeah well i don't know maybe it will but i already have like nieces and nephews that are in university and they, they've been to my gigs before and I was like, whoa. <laughs> but at the same time, it's cool because it's, it's great that they're interested to check it out. I mean, they, I, I don't think I've influenced them like in that way because, they're, you know, they're not club heads or anything. But uh, yeah, it's cool to, you know, like have have some kind of musical guidance in your your child, I guess. I mean, she's free to listen to whatever she wants to. And I'm sure when she's a teenager, she's going to be like doing their thing and like what is house music bad <laughs> you know but i think at the end of the day you know it'll be cool for her to kind of kind of like be exposed to this this kind of music that's not especially in north america that's not necessarily mainstream radio music yeah speaking of children uh you also recently started your own label right yeah um tell me a little bit about this project yeah um i mean it's definitely something i've wanted to do for a long time and i think as any DJ producer dreams of like having their own label it's their baby creative freedom creative control kind of thing and it may not be the best time financially to do it but um, I think now that I've kind of really feel like I know what I'm what I am what I am as far as musical direction and um, what I like um, I thought it was about time after the album and after the few releases that I had um, so I basically uh, got the idea and uh, uh, what I wanted to do also was to showcase a lot of local talent. It's not exclusively the local label, but I did really want to be an be a access point or help um, help local artists have some kind of platform uh, to expose what's going on in Toronto. And um, right now it's being distributed through Diamonds and Pearls, uh, which is in Berlin. And um, yeah, uh, so just kind of uh, going with the flow and uh, putting music that I like, basically. Yeah, not nothing, no grand scheme or uh, concept or anything like that. <laughs> it's interesting about um, local talent yeah. um, in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, uh, for a long time, it just maybe wasn't something that a lot of people thought about. Yeah. I know recently, uh, it, at least in mainstream circles, mm -hmm. you know, with people like Drake right. and The Weeknd, yeah. there's suddenly like this awareness that there is a lot of music right. in Toronto and yeah. that extends to the underground. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I think it was a generational thing. Um, whereas before, I mean, you know, you had the Nick Holders, you had the Stickman and stuff like that back in the days. Um and then, I mean, it's like I say, like with Toronto, there was stuff going on. There were people producing, but I think because we didn't really have a, a cohesive scene, like, I mean, it's not like people weren't friendly, but we just kind of like looked at things from afar, especially back in the days when the internet wasn't so prevalent. It was like, oh, like all these guys in Europe or in the U.S. is like gods to us in a way. And um, a, a few people did put efforts and put things out, but it wasn't like... I didn't feel like there was a big drive to be a lot of producers. I mean, maybe there was a lot of bedroom producers. I don't know. But with the new generation, there's a, there's a bunch of kids that are really motivated um, that are kind of like 
you know, like digging deeper and, and really trying. I, I, I think it's developing. Um, it's, you know, there's definitely potential that if we keep it up, there, there might be some sort of Toronto scene or sound. <laughs> I was going to ask if you felt like there's sort of a homegrown sound growing. I don't know. I, I think it's better to ask you because from the inside, it's really hard to tell, you know, like you're so close to it. And um, I think right now, as with a lot of places in the world, there's this mashup of just like bass and techno and house all together. And it's it's maybe it's the way that we put it together is different. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really hard from my angle. <laughs> I know. Do you have any sort of feel for, for me? It? <laughs> I'd, I'd have to think about it. I yeah. mean, the stuff that's on your label, I mean, so you put out the first release. Yeah. There was a second release from, uh, what uh, was Maxwell the- Maxwell Church. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely some similarity between these two records. Yeah. I mean, taking two records, like that's not really like right. a, a full on scientific study of the yeah. sound of Toronto. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then there's other guys like Kevin McPhee, of course. Of course. Yeah. Like Gingy and Bordello, Nathalys. And those guys though sound definitely- a bit different than your stuff yeah still compatible right exactly but it yeah. definitely has its own angle yeah yeah and i think maybe down the road through more interactions and i've met these guys and we're connecting and stuff so who knows maybe there'll be a little bit more mix mixing up of stuff you know mashing up and we'll see what happens <laughs> do you still have the day job are you still working as a graphic designer yeah yeah um like i said it's I still do not make a living from music. Um, it's every year is a little busier, and uh, just kind of go with the flow. But yeah, especially when you live in North America, it's a bit hard to keep it on the regular. I mean, um, the market's only so big. There's only like really five or six cities you can play in. Um, and then when I do get the chance to go to Europe, it's a few weeks at a time. So it, it's really hard. Um, and. I mean, I have a, have a feeling that if I moved here, it would be easier because, you know, when you're here, it's, it's, it's easy for people to fly from like Berlin to somewhere for, for the night and it's cheap and, you know, it's easy to get back and forth. But even then, there's no guarantee because, you know, there might be a big market here, but it's quite saturated at the same time. So in those like five or six cities, you know, in North America yeah. where you kind of can regularly get gigs, I mean, have mm -hmm. you sensed a sort of ramping up there? Does it seem like dance music is becoming more popular? I, and I'm talking about underground dance music. Yeah, it feels like it. I've, I've been getting more bookings in the last year or two. Um, and so from what I can see um, on the underground, I mean, things look pretty healthy to me. And uh, now I've made a lot of connections to promoters and, and artists in other scenes. So it, it definitely feels like there's something growing for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In terms of your own music, uh, you know, you put the album out recently, you've started yeah. the label. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd still really like to tackle under the basic soul unit moniker? Um, not consciously. Like I said, I, um, because I don't do it full time, you know, I just go with the flow and take opportunities as they come. So it's never really been kind of like an uh, objective, like other than playing music being D DJing music, playing music, and making music. And that's those are kind of the bottom lines. From a, from a business standpoint, I have been thinking about it because, like I said, it's not sustainable. So I'm just kind of trying to figure out what other avenues of income can I do with music to make it sustainable, whether it's somehow being involved in, in this like city cultural arts aspect, events. I don't know. Like, it, it's just... Um, it's tough. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's it's not it's not easy to it's not easy to make a living doing this. I think yeah. no matter where you are, yeah, and especially not if you have kids and a mortgage and all right, that stuff. Right. Yeah, and and it's it's. I mean, I think a lot of people would actually be surprised how many people with quote names out there that don't do it full time and um, yeah, in general, even if you do make it to that point, it's like there's no guarantee that you know in six months you're still going to be up there so I, I think it's always like good to have a plan b my I'm just trying to figure out if there's a plan b that's musically related you know it's i like design and i don't think i would have any problems quitting music per se like i, I don't think i would ever quit it I maybe mean, I, I would still make music but just less and maybe not be able to travel as much but um um just you know like I, I, music is is becoming like an over consuming thing for a lot of us junkies <laughs> and so uh, after 40 years of course i realized this because even when i was young i never like you at that point it's like you don't even dream about making a career out of a dj like we didn't really have a lot of traveling djs back then maybe a couple here or there it's only really become a thing in the last 10 years maybe and so to get to this point i'm like okay i'm realizing that this is what is me like music in some way form or other whether it's radio show or somehow i want to be involved in it so hopefully i can figure out you know something to do with my life if i'm not djing <laughs> or making music Thank you. 